This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by James Seif and Kate Andrews, our economics editor. So as voters go to the polls for the local election, there's been news today when it comes to the cost of living crisis. Kate, can you just talk us through the announcement from the Bank of England? Yeah, so the Monetary Policy Committee has met again and decided, not surprisingly, to raise interest rates from 0.75% up to 1%. It's another incremental rise, the fourth consecutive rise, which is the first time that's happened in about a quarter of a century. And the interestingly, this time round, the minority opinion, it was voted 6-3 to raise rates to 1%. The three people who voted against weren't doing so to hold interest rates. They wanted to go further. They wanted a 0.5% increase. This is completely different territory from where we were, say, six, seven months ago when most central bankers were just pulling blankets over their faces, um, not willing uh, at all to look around and see that inflation was clearly going up and that they needed to act much sooner than they did. Um, We can come back to interest rates and the impact that's going to have on mortgages and borrowing costs, but I think the really big piece of information out of the monetary policy report isn't this hike in interest rates because it was expected. It's the bank's new economic forecasts. They are extremely grim. They're devastating. They don't predict a a full-blown recession. I know there's a lot of headlines today saying Bank of England predicts recession. They haven't done that. They do show several contractions, but they're not consecutive. They do, however, take us to recession territory. They suggest that from the start of next year onwards, you're going to see quarterly growth somewhere between 0% and 0.2% with a few contractions in there as well. This is incredibly damaging for an economy that's come out of COVID, for an economy still dealing with supply chain shortages, supply chain shocks, an economy that is seriously struggling with a cost of living crisis. Uh, Those GDP figures represent wealth and prosperity and increases to standards of living. And the Bank of England's forecast, you know, this is not guaranteed to happen, but their forecast suggests that for quite some time, that wealth, prosperity and rise in living standards is going to be extremely limited. James, how does this align with treasury predictions in terms of what the economy looks like, what the government is braced for in the coming months? Well, this is more pessimistic than the OBR. Uh, In some ways, that is not surprising in that there has not been very much good economic news around since the OBR last made a forecast. I think the real problem is the Bank of England has got itself into the most massive bind. If you think back to what what Kate um, was saying, central banks were putting blankets over their faces. Bank of England kept telling us inflation was transitory, inflation was transitory. The Bank of England is now saying inflation is going to peak at 10%. The problem you've got is what is driving up inflation is not the fact that, you know, everyone in the domestic economy is getting big pay rises and we're in a wage price spiral. It is largely, to use a crude phrase, imported inflation. So, Energy prices and food prices around the world are going up, and that is pushing up inflation at home. So I'm not sure what raising interest rates will do to remedy those problems. In in truth, very, very little. But having not raised rates 
when inflation was so above target, above the 2% target. The Bank of England now needs to do something to try and re-establish some credibility. So it left doing something that is either going to have no effect on the economy or a negative effect on the economy to try and get back some of the credibility that it has lost. And I think we're in a, we are in a very worrying moment because the world economy has you know multiple motors. And I think they could all end up not firing this year. You look at China, which has driven a lot of global growth recently, you know, these zero COVID disruptions, I think China is, Chinese economic statistics are always very dubious, but I think it's highly likely that China goes into recession this year. You look at the US, inflation is running rampant, I would not be surprised by US recession. You look at the Eurozone, inflation at a record high, and you know, you look at how the Eurozone is trying to get itself off Russian energy, and I think a recession in Europe is highly likely, and the Bank of England is warning about, that, you know, it's not, sorry, it's not technically saying the UK is going to be in a recession, but it is, it's as, warning as, it could. <laughs> as Kate says, it's going to be, you know, so close to a recession, you know, as, as, as makes no difference. And I think this is a real worry that we could be in for uh, the most appalling set of economic news around the world with all of these crises making the other one worse and with policymakers not able to do what they should do because they've made the wrong decisions for so long that they are trying to overcorrect to, to regain credibility. I think this is a real cause of alarm. I also think it is worth remembering that you know the UK economy was meant to grow 7 or 8% this year. This was meant to be the year the UK bounced back from COVID, all this pent-up demand because people had saved money, hadn't been able to do stuff. You know, and, and what's the Bank of England now forecasting for this year? They've, they've downgraded growth significantly. After two years of COVID, when everyone thought this was going to be, kind of, this is when the economy would go properly gangbusters. I, I think that we are in for a very, very difficult time. And I really do worry about how... It's a very good column by Ken Rogoff, a former chief economist of the IMF on this. You know, how all of these different crises interact with each other. And I think one common effect is this is going to be a terrible time for political incumbents. You know, I, I look, the, if the Supreme Court really does overturn Roe versus Wade, this might counteract this. But I think the Democrats are going to take a shellacking in the midterms because of inflation. I think you're going to see incumbent governments around Europe become extremely unpopular you know obviously china doesn't have proper elections but i think you know i think that you know this is this is going to be a very very difficult time as the 70s was for any incumbent politician kate what does this mean for consumers in terms of uh, for example mortgages uh it means that the cost of borrowing is going up so if you have a mortgage uh, and you're looking to remortgage if you have credit card loans if you're taking out another kind of loan the cost of doing so is going to increase and problems that a lot of people have budgeted in a way that doesn't leave for a lot of flexibility. And we have not now for decades dealt with a significant rise in interest rates. I mean, interest rates have been higher than they are now, don't get me wrong, but we became so used, this generation anyway of homeowners has become so used to interest rates being at a record low that they won't have, many people won't have factored in costs going up even historically in in a marginal sense. So I think it's going to be really painful. And as James hinted to there, you know, you could potentially, you could really see a scenario towards the end of the year where you have high inflation, have high price hikes, you have higher costs of borrowing that aren't actually working to curb inflation for the reasons that James lays out, the fact that a lot of this is imported, but also because once prices start to spiral, 
once the inflation tiger is out of the bag, it's really difficult to put back in. So if they were going to meaningfully curb inflation, they really should have started hiking interest rates six months ago. So you could have high prices, higher borrowing costs. The latter isn't improving the former. The cost of living crisis is getting worse. And then you're in the territory of stagflation, which is high prices, low economic growth. And importantly, it should be said the trifecta of that is higher unemployment. That is one thing, even based on the monetary policy report today, that still doesn't look like it's going to happen. But the reasons are kind of iffy. I mean, vacancies just remain so high, and that's led to serious shortages in the services industry, for example, that we are still getting some negative consequences of that. It's actually not helping inflation. Um, But it does seem for the moment that rising unemployment is, um, I don't want to say anything's off the cards, but at the moment, it doesn't look like that's going to occur. James, we know that Boris Johnson's preferred way of dealing with the cost of living crisis is through growth, through economic growth. Does he have many options right now? It's very difficult to see what the government can do. Boris Johnson got panned for saying that kind of you know giving people more money to help with the cost of living crisis would be inflationary, but there is some truth to his statement, even if it was politically tinny the way he expressed it. Borrowing more in the current environment obviously carries a bit risks. I think that, you know, you could argue that this is, you know, the Kit Malthouse position. It's not a Malthouse compromise. It's a Malthouse position uh, would be that, you know, you should cut public spending right now and then cut taxes. And that's what would help with the cost of living. You know, you wouldn't have to borrow anything more. But, you know, Boris Johnson loves his Grand Projet and he runs away. We both remember when he likened austerity to drinking your own urine to us. And I don't think he started doing that yet. And, <laughs> not um, yet. Um, and you know this this is very difficult political territory and, and you know, inflation is terrible for incumbents because it basically makes pretty much almost everybody in the population poorer and that makes politics very very scratchy now we are not going to prejudge the local election results because we are speaking on a Thursday afternoon, but we will, of course, provide all the latest when it comes to the results coming through um, on Coffee House tomorrow and in the form of an early morning podcast. So do join us then. Thank you, James. Thank you, Kate. <laughs>